Welcome to Awaken Life Church podcast. For more information about our church, please visit awakenlifechurch.net. We hope you enjoy this message by Daniel Willett. So good morning, good morning. Welcome to Awaken Life Church. I hope you're awake now after that worship. <laughs> and God is good. Man, he is good. His presence is, is here this morning. It's good to see some, some new faces. And God is going to do something special in this service today. So let's just pray. Father, we just thank you so much that you just love your children. God, you just love your creation. You love your people. And God, we just thank you that we can celebrate you. We can celebrate your son, Jesus. We can celebrate that we have the Holy Spirit. We can celebrate that we're sons and we're not orphans, but we've been received into the kingdom as sons. And we can come into the kingdom with boldness. You said boldly approach the throne of grace, that we can boldly approach your throne of grace as children, as royalty. And we just thank you that Our Savior Jesus is the King. We just say all hail King Jesus in this place today. Jesus, let your will be done in this place. We just declare kingdom of heaven is coming to earth this morning. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So this message um, started yesterday morning. Uh, My wife was going to speak. And in prayer yesterday, I felt like... um, I was supposed to speak about spiritual warfare, but I didn't want to step on my wife's toes. And, and I was like, well, she has something. I don't know. I feel conflicted. And so I went to her and I was like, hey, I feel like I'm supposed to speak. And she's like, oh, my goodness, go, go for it. <laughs> and so uh, God is good. And, you know, often he'll change our direction, you know, and uh, redirect us. And uh, so this isn't the first time that this has happened, but I believe that this message is, is for our church today, and it's about spiritual warfare. So I'm going to talk to you about spiritual warfare. So how many understand that there is a battle going on in our lives? Now, I know you're probably like, Pastor Daniel, you're the love pastor. You preached <laughs> last week about the adventure that we're on with Christ, and, and we absolutely are. We're on an adventure with Christ, but there is a spiritual battle that's happening right now. Amen. And the spiritual battle, it's actually more real. That spiritual realm is more real than our realm here in the natural. And so we do have a battle and we are on an adventure and God has us, but we are in a battle. So when Jesus uh, came into the world and he was announced, how, how was Jesus announced? Do you remember? Good news. Good news. Great, good tidings of great joy. Amen? That's how our Savior was announced. This is good news. So if you hear a message, you hear preaching that doesn't sound like good news, it's probably not gospel. Because the gospel is good news. And Jesus was announced as good news, great tidings, or glad tidings of of great joy. Amen? So Jesus comes into the earth, but what happens almost simultaneously? Simultaneously, Herod sends out a decree of death. He says, kill all the children from age zero to two in Bethlehem. He sends out a decree of death. It's, it's a response from the enemy to what God was doing. Amen. He's sending us God himself in the flesh in the form of a baby. And at the same time, Herod issues a decree of death. There is a spiritual battle that's going on. So when God is moving and he's doing something amazing, the enemy comes to counter it. 
And when the Lord starts to birth something great in our lives, we'll often encounter resistance. Can I just tell you, resistance is not always a sign that you're doing something wrong. Often, resistance is a sign that you're doing something right. And the enemy is countering it. It's the counterattack from what God is doing right in your life. So don't be alarmed by resistance. Don't be alarmed by resistance. Often resistance is a sign that you're on the right track. Especially when we start to take new ground in our lives, the enemy is not happy. The enemy is not happy when we start to take new ground in our lives or we're taking background that has been robbed from us. The enemy is not happy and he wants to counter us. So here's the good news. Jesus has given us authority over all the power of the enemy. That's Luke 10, 19. He says, behold, I give you authority over all the power of the enemy. So we have authority, but we have to recognize the authority we have, and we have to recognize when there is an attack coming from the enemy, when he, when, from the enemy, when he is trying to counter us, we have to be aware of that. So I want to talk to you about Nehemiah this morning. And this story was just so heavy on my heart this week. So Nehemiah, and if you want to turn there, we're going to be reading some of the scriptures in Nehemiah. I'm going to be reading from New American Standard. And you can open to Nehemiah. It is before Psalms. It's between Ezra and Esther, sandwiched in between the E's. Nehemiah. So Nehemiah had it in his heart to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And God, I want to tell you this morning, God is going to put something on your heart, if he hasn't already, that just moves you to tears and to passion, to like, I have to go and do this. And it says, when God put on Nehemiah's heart to go and rebuild the walls, he wept for days. He wept for days over the destruction of the walls, and he said, I've got to do something. And the king gives him his blessing, and he sends him with a blessing. So rebuilding the walls represents taking back ground that the enemy has stolen. How many know when the walls came down, the enemy was able to encroach? So when we rebuild the walls, what that represents in this story for us is it's taking back ground that has been stolen. It represents restoration of what the enemy has destroyed. What's interesting, and the Lord showed me this, is that the wall was down for 70 years. It had been laying down in rubble and in a pile for 70 years. So what the Lord showed me in that, that it represents taking background that may have been lost in generations before us. So there may, there may be spiritual ground that's been lost in generations before you that you get to regain in your lifetime. And so if there's been abuse in your family, you can take that ground in your lifetime. You can take that ground. And when you take that ground, you're not just taking it for you. You're taking that ground for your family. You're taking it for your children and for the generations to come. You can take back that ground that may have been lost in generations previous. If there's anger that's been in your family, you don't have to just stay in that anger. You can take that ground back. If there's been loss and disappointment in your family, you can regain that ground. If there's been a poverty mentality, poverty spirit, you can retake that ground in your lifetime. If there's been 
divorce in your family, and that's been like a history of like everybody in our family gets divorced, you can take that ground back. And if you've been divorced, there's so much grace, there's so much restoration for you. But uh, uh, what I'm talking about is if you're just in this family where it's just like a pattern of just broken families, broken marriages, you don't have to be that way. You can regain that ground, amen? So Nehemiah had on his heart to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And there was two guys named Sanballat and Tobiah that were very unhappy about it. Very unhappy. They were like enraged that he was going to do this. So the name Sanballat, it actually means this, enemy and secret. That's what the name Sanballat means, enemy and secret. So when you start moving in the right direction in your life, you may have some opponents that come out of nowhere. It's like, where were you? Well, when I started doing something, it's like, hey. When you start doing something from the Lord, you may have opponents that just come out of nowhere. His name meant enemy and secret. Don't name your kid Sandballot. <laughs> Leslie, where are you? Oh, she's not here today. That's right. Dom, don't name your kid Sandballot. So when you start moving in the right direction in your life, you may have some opponents that come out of nowhere. So if you're in Nehemiah, go to chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 19 and 20. So it says, When Sanballat the Hornite and Tobiah the Ammonite and Geshem the Arab heard it, they mocked us and despised us. So this is when they heard that Nehemiah was going to be building the wall. It says they mocked him and they despised him. And they said this, what is this thing that you are doing? Are you rebelling against the king? So this is what Nehemiah says to him. So I answered them and I said to them, the God of heaven will give us success. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build. But you have no portion, right, or memorial in Jerusalem. So what were these guys saying to Nehemiah? They were saying, what do you think you're doing? What do you think you're doing rebuilding this wall? Who do you think you are? Have you ever stepped out to do something and heard those words? Who do you think you are? So this guy, now we got a third party. His name is Geshem. His name, this is funny, his name means heavy rain. Actually, in Israel, even today, if there's a, a heavy rainstorm in the wintertime, it's called a Geshem. So Nehemiah steps out to do something great, and here comes Geshem to rain on the parade. So I love Nehemiah's response to him. He says, the God of heaven will give us success. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build. So when people come to tear you down, and I'm not always talking about people, but when a spiritual force comes against you or if it comes against you in the form of a person, which can happen, you need to remind yourself who you got your assignment from. He didn't say, I'm going to do this. I've got this. He didn't, like, pump himself up. He said, the God of heaven is going to give me success. Amen. He knew where his strength was. He knew who was behind him. He said, the God of heaven is going to give me success. This is what God has called me to do, and he is the one who will make me successful. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build. When you know that the Lord has called you to something, it doesn't matter what other people say. It doesn't matter what other people say. Don't be impressed with people. 
Don't be impressed what people say when they're, when they're coming against what the Lord has showed you to do. The first thing the enemy tries to do was to attack Nehemiah's identity. Who do you think you are? And he reaffirms his identity. I am God's servant, and he is going to make me successful. Amen? There's a key there. He tries to attack his identity. You're not good enough. How many have ever heard that? You're not smart enough. You're not strong enough. You're not hardworking enough. Who do you think you are? It's the voice of the enemy trying to bring fear, trying to discourage us from what God's told us to do and what God's put on our heart to do. Nehemiah reminded himself who was on his side. God will give me success. So when Nehemiah, this is really key. This is all of chapter three talks about this next point. When Nehemiah didn't give up, others around him were inspired to join him. It's like he's there working by himself, building this wall, and the enemy comes to discourage him. And when he decides not to give up and to keep building, everybody is inspired by that. Think about, this, this wall has been down for 70 years. How many people thought, man, we should do something about that? Man, we should rebuild that. And maybe people even tried and that voice of the enemy came and they're like, yeah, you're right, I can't do it. How many people came by that wall and had the same thought in their heart, but the enemy said, you can't do it, and they stopped building. But Nehemiah kept building. He didn't listen to the discouragement of the enemy. He said, God is on my side. God is directing me to do this. And he kept building. And what happened is he inspired hope in all those other people. All of chapter three, if you read chapter three, it's about everybody who gets inspired and starts and says, and then this guy came and started helping, and then this guy, and then this guy, and then this guy, he did doors, and he came and did the doors, and then this guy did beams, and then this guy did repairs, and it just goes on and on and on. It's the whole chapter of three. They all became inspired by what Nehemiah was doing. Hope is powerful. Hope is powerful. When you dare to dream and step into hope, it will inspire people around you. It will inspire people around you. The enemy is after your hope because he knows hope is powerful. His hope became contagious, and then all of a sudden, everyone joined in to help him. So I want to ask you this question this morning. What area of your life does God want you to have hope for that will lead other people into hope? What area of your life do you need to have hope for and actually rise above the negativity, rise above what the enemy may be saying and say, I'm going to dare to hope. And it's going to inspire people around you to hope. Be like, wow. If they're stepping out, maybe I can do it too. Every person in this room is a leader. Did you know you were a leader? John Maxwell, probably like the most known authority on leadership. He's, he's like counseled presidents and governments and CEOs of large companies. And he says leadership is one thing, influence. That's it. That's all it is. Leadership is influence. So if you're influencing even one person, you're leading them. Every person in this room is, is influencing at least one person. So you're all leaders. And we need to lead. What, a great, what makes a great leader is the one that has the most hope. We need to lead in hope and lead others into hope. Amen? So what area is God calling you to lead in that area of hope and to step into something and it's going to inspire people around you? 
So in Nehemiah chapter three, we see all these people coming together and they're bringing their different talents to restore this wall. And it's a beautiful picture of the body of Christ working together to build something great. Nehemiah four, we're gonna read verses one, one two, and three. It says, now it came about when Sanballat heard the news that we, are, we were rebuilding the wall, he became furious and very angry and mocked the Jews. He spoke in the presence of his brothers and the wealthy men of Samaria, and he said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Are they going to restore it for themselves? Can they offer sacrifices? Can they finish in a day? Can they revive the stones from the dusty rubble, even the burned ones? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was near him, and he said, even what they're building, if a fox should jump on it, he would break their stone wall down. Some serious smack talk. And it was in front of Nehemiah. Like all this they were saying in front of Nehemiah, within his earshot. Because Nehemiah hears it and he says, hear God what they're saying. Take note of what they're saying. Hear how we're despised. So when you step out to do something here, or when you step out to do something, here are some of the things, the type of things that you may hear from the enemy. It's all those things. So let's go through those. Number one, they said six things. Number one, what are these feeble Jews doing? You're not strong enough to accomplish this. You can't do it. You're not strong enough. You don't have the strength. What are you doing? Number two, they said, are they going to restore it for themselves? What are they saying? You have bad motives. You're trying to exalt yourself. You're being selfish. Again, this is the type of things you may hear when you step into what God's showing you to do. When you step into that calling, that fire that's in your heart. Number three, they said, can they offer sacrifices? This is like a religious spirit saying, you're not spiritual enough. You're not spiritual enough to do this. For us, it can sound like you haven't read your Bible enough. Again, I'm not always talking about this may not be a physical voice of a person. This may be the voice that the enemy is putting in your head. You're not spiritual enough. You haven't read your Bible enough. You don't have enough experience. You haven't prayed enough. Can they offer sacrifices? The enemy is the biggest legalist. And he'll always try to disqualify you using law. Always. You're not good enough. You haven't done enough. You haven't prayed enough. You're not enough. You can't do this. Number four, they said, can they finish in a day? One translation says, will they ever finish it? You're never going to finish. You don't have what it takes to see it through. You can't do it. Number five, they said, can they revive the stones from the dusty rubble, even the burned ones? This one's interesting. They're saying, you don't have the right materials to even accomplish this. And I feel like God said to me in this, sometimes we can go from teaching to teaching, seminar to seminar, counselor to counselor, but still feel inadequate. By the way, I'm radically for all those things. I'm for conferences. We just did one. I'm for counseling. I'm for, like, listening to great teaching. But sometimes the enemy is telling you, you just haven't found the right resources yet, so you're not ready. You don't have the right resources, so you're not ready. I have news for you. He'll always tell you, you're not ready. You don't have the resources. 
It's on this never-ending trail of like, maybe if I get the right sermon or if I get the right resource, then I'll be ready. How many understand God equips the called? He equips the called. He doesn't call the equipped. You know, if, when you, if you've ever had a baby, you never feel ready, right? You never feel ready, but you somehow find a way to be ready when the time comes. I remember when our daughter was born, we're like, they're going to let us take her home? This is weird. We don't know. Seriously, can we do this? We're like, do they know us? They're going to let us take this person home. And by your fourth child, you're like, give me my baby. <laughs> don't touch my baby. <laughs> oh, where were we? Give me, my, give me back my... Give me back my son. <laughs> oh, man. God equips the called, amen? So when we are called, he will equip us. We don't wait to get equipped. We don't have to feel equipped enough before we can step out and do something, amen? He equips the call. That's, we very much relate to that. We've had moments where we've been thrown into the deep end and we're like, help God. And he has always came through for us. Always, 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 always. Time after time after time. To, to where you get the point where you're like not afraid of getting thrown in the deep end. Like God has got this because your hope is not in your ability. When your hope's in your ability, you're trying to learn more. You're trying to, and just, all of that's good. Counseling, we do that. But when you're trying to just like this never ending battle, of trying to get enough, it's like it can be the spirit of I'm not enough and I just need more. When God says, I'll equip you, step out. Number six, the last thing they said, even what they're building, if a fox should jump on it, he's going to break that stone wall down. Here's what they're saying. The work you're doing is worthless. It's not going to stand. Shoddy. It's not good. Have you ever stepped out and heard some of these lies? Again, they don't, they don't always come from people. In fact, I think more often they come in your mind. The enemy sends them in your mind and tries to get you to bite. You're not good enough. You didn't do enough. You're not, you're not spiritual enough. And, he, and what he wants is your agreement. That's the power he has in our life is if we agree. We say, yeah, you're right. And we take that thought as our own. Yeah, you know what? I'm not good enough. What am I doing? I can't do this. He wants your agreement. He wants your attention. I know I've stepped out and heard those things in my mind. You haven't done enough. You're not enough. So they continue to build. And now the wall is half -y. They're sending like threats, like we're going to attack you. We're going to attack you. We're going to tear down the wall when you're not looking. We're going to, if your guys are there building, we're going to attack your men. So they're sending threats. And some people are discouraged. Some of the builders begin to get discouraged by the threats of the enemy. And this is what Nehemiah says to them. It's Nehemiah 4.14. He says, when I saw their fear, I rose and I spoke to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people. Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fights for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. He said, remember the Lord who is great. When the enemy tries to discourage you, you need to remind yourself of how great the Lord is. He's trying to impress you. Like, rah, jumps out, for the, like the guy, enemy and hidden, he jumps out, rah. 
He's trying to discourage you with fear. And we need to remind ourselves that it's God, amen, that is great. The enemy is not great. It's God that is great. So he reminds them. I love that. Do not be afraid. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. So I love that too. He tells them to fight for their brothers, their sons, their daughters, your wives, and your houses. When we start building that wall, when we start taking back that ground, it's not just for us. It's for our family. It's for our brothers. It's for our sisters. So when the enemy tries to discourage you, remind yourself of how great God is. Try this. When the enemy comes to discourage you or bring fear, try this. Take five to ten minutes and just think of everything you can about God. You can do this anywhere. You can do this at work. Like that fear comes and, or that discouragement comes or whatever it is. And just take five minutes and be like, okay, I'm going to think of everything I can about God. Like who's God? He's the creator. Oh, he is awesome. He created me. He thought about me before I was even formed. He had thoughts about me before the beginning of the world. Who is God? God is like so amazing. God created the whole heavens and the earth, and God delivered David from Goliath. He delivered Daniel out of the lion's den, and then start reminding him, what has he done in my life? Oh, man, this is what God's done in my life. We all have a story, a testimony. Start reminding yourself. And just take about five minutes and just think about everything you can about God. Start just worshiping. It's giving God worship when you're just reminding yourself about him. That's why worship is so powerful. It's like we're just declaring and singing things and reminding ourselves God is great. God is powerful. God is on the throne. All hail King Jesus. We're not worshiping fear. We're worshiping the King of Kings, Jesus Christ. Amen? The enemy wants your worship. And when we fear him, we actually are worshiping him. Remind yourself who he is. Remind yourself what he's done in your life and just how awesome he is and watch your fear turn into faith. Let's read verses uh, 17 and 18. Nehemiah 4, 17 and 18. Those who were rebuilding the wall and those who carried burdens took their loads with one hand doing the work and the other hand holding a weapon. As for the builders, each wore his sword girded at his side as he built while the trumpeter stood near me. In the spiritual armor that's mentioned in Ephesians 6, what does the sword stand for? Just shout it out. It's the word of God. And it's actually the rhema word of God. It's the spoken word of God. It's a picture of as we are taking background, as we are doing what God's showing us to do, as we are doing what God's put on our heart and we're building, we have that sword at our side and we're living on the word of God. God, what's your word? I need your word from moment to moment to moment as I build. Jesus said, man cannot live on bread alone, but he lives on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It's a picture of like, we can't just live and be sustained on natural sustenance like bread. But we have to be, we will be sustained by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And it's that rhema word. It's that right now, like, God, what are you saying right now about this situation? So as we're doing what God has put in our heart, we need the word of the Lord always at our side to protect us from the attacks of the enemy. From moment to moment, we need to know, Lord, what is your word? What is your word over me right now? In chapter 6, the wall is nearly finished, and Sanballat and Tobiah send a letter. Now they're sending a letter to Nehemiah saying this, Come down 
and meet with us in the Valley of Ono. How many know probably not a good idea to go down to the Valley of Ono? <laughs> come down and meet with us in the Valley of Ono. They want him to come down to the Valley of Ono so that they can kill him. Nehemiah's response can be found in chapter 6 and verse 3. It's Nehemiah 6, 3. says, so I sent the messengers to them. He sent, this is his response to them. I'm doing a great work, and I cannot come down. <laughs> I'm doing a great work, and I cannot come down. Why should I stop the work and leave and come down to you? I love that. I'm doing a great work here, and I'm not going to come down to hear your criticism. I'm not going to come down to listen to your threats, and I'm not going to come down to let you harm me. I'm going to keep doing the work that God's shown me. When we're doing something for the Lord, we need to be able to distinguish and discern the difference between the enemy's criticism that's meant to harm us and a friend's correction that's meant to help us. There is a difference. Amen? In Proverbs, it says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. None of us are infallible, and I need friends around me to tell me the truth. I need people around me that will speak the truth in love. The difference is this. The enemy hates you, and he wants to destroy you. A friend wants to love you and will speak the truth and love for your benefit. Okay? I felt that was necessary to add that. Because just because someone brings something to us that may be a correction, we need to know, is this from the Lord? Is this that they love me and they, they want to actually see my life blessed? And this, this is criticism that I can let in, or maybe, maybe that's a bad word for it. But this is I can take this in and, and actually consider it. Or is this sent from the enemy meant to take me off course? Amen? I love having people in my life that tell me the truth. I need that. I need that. I'm not getting off the wall to try to convince someone being influenced of the enemy about anything. Did I say that right? I'm not going to get off the wall of what the Lord has showed me to do when someone is coming in a spirit of like, they're not there to help me. They're there to discourage me and to take me off of what God's shown me to do. I'm not coming off the wall for that. I'll come off the wall for a friend. Hey, this is something you might want to consider because I love you and I want to see you build this wall. By the way, we don't need to respond to everyone who's critical of us. Amen? If they're aligned with the enemy, you will never convince them of anything. You could say it in the most eloquent, most amazing, perfect way, and you are not going to convince them of anything if they are not for you and they're actually being used by the enemy. You don't have to respond to everybody who's critical. So last week, I spoke about finding and living the adventure that God has for you. And I, I love that message. It's, it's a great message. We need to know that this is an adventure that we're on, but we have an enemy. And as soon as you start to build something in your life that's from God, that God's put on your heart, the enemy will resist you. So here's the good news again. Only weapon he has against you is fear. This is his weapon. When we don't bow down to fear, he has no power over us. He's just trying to scare you off the wall. He has no power. He's trying to get your agreement. 
He doesn't actually have power. He just wants your agreement. He wants to bring fear and for you to give into that fear. And when you do, you're actually worshiping him. I love the story of Nehemiah. It's a story. This is, if, if I were to put it in one sentence, this is what the story of Nehemiah is. It's a story of the enemy trying to bring fear, trying to bring oppression, and one man saying, no. No, I'm not getting off the wall. I'm not coming down to hear your criticism. I'm not going to stop doing what God has shown me to do, and I'm not going to be oppressed or pressured into stopping the work that God's put on my heart. It's the story about one person saying no to the enemy. No. We can do that in our life by saying like, no, you cannot have my children. No, not in my generation. No, you cannot have my destiny. No. You can't scare me off of my destiny. No. No. No, you cannot have my marriage. No. Just popped in my head. Not today, Satan. (laughs) Not today. Nehemiah's no impacted a whole nation. It impacted a whole nation when he just said no. I'm not going to listen to your criticism. No, I'm not going to be... I'm not going to crouch down in fear. No. So there's one word that you need to get used to when it comes to the enemy. No. Nope. No, I'm not going to listen to that thought. And often it's the thought. The thought comes in, you're not good enough. You can't do it. No. I'm a child of the king. I've been assigned by God. He is the one who will help me finish this. No, I'm not going to listen to fear. I will not let you intimidate me. I will not give in to fear. I will not give up. Fear is just faith in the plans of the enemy. Fear is actually, it is a type of faith. It's just faith in what the enemy is saying. You know, we laugh a lot around here, and and I was just reminded this morning in, in our prayer time, that there's an awesome scripture in Psalm chapter two, and it said, God sits in the heavens and he laughs. He's in the heaven and he's laughing. So what's he laughing about? Some people would say it's at us. But that's not the context. What he's laughing at is he's laughing at the plans of the enemy. God sits in the heaven and he laughs at the plans of the enemy. So when you hear the plans of the enemy, like, ha ha, no. That's not the truth. You're not going to have enough money to get by this month. Ha ha. No. What's the truth, Holy Spirit? My God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. I have more than enough. I shared that story a few months ago how I found myself in my life saying, I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have time. And something new came up in our life. And I was like, God, I don't have time for that. How am I going to do that? And the Lord said, you are just actually speaking death over your time by saying, I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have time. And it was like a revelation. So I said, God, I need a new confession. I started saying, I have all the time I need to accomplish everything that God's called me to do. And I just started to declare that daily, just like, that thought would come to my mind. I don't have time. I'd be like, no, I have all the time I need to accomplish everything that God's called me to do. Guess what happened? Magically, I had time to do everything. 
I started having more time just because I changed what I believed and I changed my declaration. And that declaration was actually in line with what God says. God says, I'm gonna supply all your needs according to my riches and glory, including your need for time. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack. I shall not lack even for time. I'm gonna have all the time I need. So it's laughing at the lies of the enemy. We can do that. God does it. I want to be like my father. He laughs at lies. I want to laugh at lies. So fear is faith, faith in the plans of the enemy, but hope is faith in what God is saying. God wants you to get your hopes up. This world always tells us, don't get your hopes up. God says, get your hopes up. Hope is faith in what God is saying. Hope is faith in what God's word says. Get your hopes up. Now, this is really key I want to mention in this. Because I'm not saying, what I'm not saying in this message, and I just want to make it clear, is that we never experience fear. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is this. When fear comes, we say, okay, I'm not giving into that. I need to know what God is saying. Chris Vallotton has a great quote. Chris Vallotton, uh, his quote is this. What you do when you're afraid will determine your destiny. So it's not absence of fear and just being like, oh, I'm a super Christian. I never have fear, right? It's what you do in the presence of fear. It's like, am I going to bow to fear? Am I going to worship the enemy and just delve into this fear? Or am I going to say, no, I'm not going to bow to that fear. God, what do you say? That's that sword that's on our side, that rhema word of God. God, what's your word over this right now? When we're afraid, instead of backing up, we need to move forward. The enemy's trying to get you to back up. When you're afraid, you need to move forward. The enemy's goal is to scare you into disobedience. Disobedience being not doing what God has put in your heart to do. This is what Nehemiah says. They're trying to scare me into disobedience. That's exactly what he says. He goes, because he knew that God put it on his heart to build the wall. And he says, the enemy's trying to scare me into disobedience. That's not going to work. In Isaiah 54, it says this, oppression will be far from you because you will not fear. Oppression will be far from you because you will not fear. You know what oppression is? It's pressure from the demonic realm. Oppression is pressure from the demonic realm. And he says, oppression will be far from you because you will not fear. So when we give in to fear, when we go down that road and we start believing the lies of the enemy, that's when we feel that pressure from the enemy. But when we say no, Oppression will be far from us. Hebrews 10, verse 38 and 39 says, But my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the preserving of the soul. God takes no pleasure when we, or no, God takes pleasure. I'm going to turn it around. It said he takes no pleasure when we shrink back. He takes pleasure when we don't shrink back. He takes pleasure when we step out boldly in faith. It's faith that pleases him. He wants us to boldly approach his throne of grace. Amen? His righteous one shall live by faith. By faith. You are his righteous ones if you've given your heart to Jesus. It says, his righteous one shall live by faith. Don't let the enemy intimidate you. Let me say it again. 
Don't let the enemy intimidate you. The righteous are as bold as a lion. Would you stand up this morning with me? I'm going to pray for you guys, and then I'm going to have uh, my wife Joy come up and close us out this morning. God, we thank you for the adventure that you have us on. God, we thank you that your thoughts and your plans for us are good to give us a future, to give us a hope. And we thank you that what we're building, we're building not just for us, but for generations to come. We're building strong marriages for our kids and our children's children to stand on. We're building powerful, faithful people that in the presence of fear keep moving forward. And we're building something that our children can stand on. God, we thank you that you have an adventure for each person here. And God, I just pray that every person here would boldly step into the adventure that you've called them to without fear and would begin to say no to the enemy. They begin to say no to the lies that the enemy tries to send. And they will not bow to fear. And we just, let's just declare that. We will not bow to fear. But we will rise up in hope. Amen. So, Father, I just thank you, God, that you're raising up a generation of bold, powerful Christians that know the righteous are as bold as lions. Your word says the righteous are like the light of dawn that get brighter and brighter and brighter. So we just thank you, Father God. I just pray that you are just bringing down fears in this place, and you're silencing those voices, and then you're also teaching people to laugh at those voices that come and say no. So we thank you, Father. Jesus' name. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. That's a good word. That's a good word. I'm so proud of you. I'm like, that's my man. (laughs) I'm so proud. But um, yeah, God is so good. Amen. Like Jesus is better than anything there is in this world. Amen. Give me Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can have all this world, but give me Jesus. He's so good. Um, I just wanted to um, encourage you all. The Lord put on my heart, um, as, as my husband was preaching, um, a dream that the Lord gave me about a year ago. And um, someone repeat after me, the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. So the things that God has called you to, the callings and the giftings that he's put inside of you, it's irrevocable. It's never going to go away. Like if you choose to sit on a couch for the rest of your life, that calling is still there. That gifting is still there. It doesn't disappear. It doesn't get given to somebody else. Okay? God's going to have his purposes done, but the gifts and the calling he's given for you to do are for you. Okay? So the dream that the Lord gave me was um, that there was this giant like warehouse house and there was all these canisters and in all these canisters were babies, babies everywhere. And I was coming into this warehouse and I had this little baby girl and in the dream, you know how dreams are parabolic. So it's like, it's not even your own storyline, but in the dream, you just kind of think a certain way. So in the dream, I'm looking down at this baby girl and I'm thinking, I am not worthy to take care of this baby girl. Now I have four kids in the natural. I know how to take care of a baby, but in the dream, I was saying, I'm not worthy to care for this. I can't can't handle this. I don't know what I'm doing. And so I went to one of the canisters in the warehouse and I went and laid the baby in there and I started to back away. And then when I looked 
um, and I saw all the babies in all the canisters. Like, this was normal. This is something that people did. Like, a bunch of people leave their babies here because this is just what you do when you don't feel worthy of them, okay? And then suddenly the horror hit me. The horror that that baby doesn't go away. No one else is going to come and pick up that baby. It's only me or it's not going to be nurtured. And that's when the horror hit me and I was like, no, I am going to go take this baby because there's no one else to care for this baby. I woke up from the dream and I asked the Lord what it meant. And there can be many applications to it. But the thing he showed me is that this is what people do in the body of Christ when they think they're not worthy of their callings. They lay them in canisters and they're thinking someone else will do this. They're thinking someone else is going to be more qualified. If I step back, I'm making room for someone else to do this thing that I'm called to do. And the truth is that that's a lie. Okay? When you step back from the gift and calling that God has on your life, the only thing you're making room for is the enemy. The only thing, if you step back, if you shrink back from caring for the things that God has placed inside of you to do, there is no one else that can pick that back up because it is your gift and your calling that's irrevocable. So it's so important to understand when we see darkness coming on the earth, darkness can't shine. How many of you know that you can't shine darkness into a room? Amen? So when you're seeing darkness expanding, it's not because the darkness is getting more powerful. It's because the lights are going out. So it's so important that we arise and we shine with what God has called us to do. Pick up those babies. Pick up those callings. You are the only one worthy of carrying it. You're the only one that can carry it. No one else is going to come and fulfill that dream in your life. Amen? So Jesus, we just thank you so much, God, that you are awakening dreams, you're awakening callings, you're awakening giftings, Lord Jesus, and we just thank you so much, God, for what you're doing, Lord. I pray that you even bring to people's um, mind, even right now, that thing, that book, that class, whatever it is, that business, that you're bringing that to remembrance in people's minds, the gifts and the callings that you've placed on their life. I break the lie of unworthiness off of the people in the name of Jesus and I just say, the Holy Spirit is saying, go, arise and shine my light in the world. And we just thank you for it, Jesus. Yeah. Amen. I have just one more thing. Um, just thank you so much for sharing that. That's such a good picture of, of uh, you know, what, what I was talking about. And thank you. We make a great team. <laughs> um, I just want to say one other thing. It just hit me like a ton of bricks when I'm sitting there. I actually do want to, want to do two more things. Um, but one, how many know the end of the story of Nehemiah? The walls got built. Amen. All the breaches were closed. Amen. And it says, when the walls got built, the enemy lost his confidence. And I just want to prophesy over you that you're in a momentum right now, and God is doing something this year to where God's putting you in a momentum, and the enemy is going to lose his confidence. So I just wanted to give you that this morning. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Um, let's close our eyes. I just want to do one more thing this morning. Father God, we just thank you. Let's just close our eyes together. I just want to give, you know, there's some, a lot of new people here today, and I just want to give everybody a chance to receive Jesus as your Savior. You may be here today, and you're like, you know, I've never done that. I've never received Jesus as my Savior. What is this about? Like, it sounds interesting. And so I want to give you that opportunity this morning, or if you just want to rededicate your life to Christ, I want to give you that opportunity this morning. So it's all of us, everyone here that is Christian, we've all done it at one time, and we've all said yes to Jesus. Jesus, yes, I choose you. You're my Savior. You're my King. 
And so I just want to give you an opportunity with all our eyes closed this morning. If you've never received Jesus and you want to do that this morning, it's really easy. You can do it right in your seat. But just slip up your hand this morning if you'd like to give your life to Jesus Christ. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Life to Jesus. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your boldness. You can put your hand down. Okay. It's very simple. There's no magic words. I'm just going to lead you in a simple prayer. It's a heart matter. It has nothing to do with saying the right words. It's a heart matter of saying yes to Jesus. So I'm just going to lead you in this simple prayer. And as you say this and mean it in your heart, Jesus is going to come inside and be your Savior. So just say, Father God, thank you that you gave me Jesus to come to this earth, to die for me, to take my sin, to take my fear, to take my oppression, and to become my Savior. So Jesus, I accept you. Come be my Savior. Amen. That's all it takes. Amen. So let's give the Lord a hand clap. Three people gave their heart to the Lord this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. God is so good, and uh, he's doing something amazing. And uh, we're just excited to be a part of it, what God's doing on the earth. Amen. We're excited to be a part of this adventure. So let's go ahead and we'll turn up the music and just greet someone as you leave today. Oh, yeah.